Here's one for you. Spinach over lettuce all day, every day. Come on, nation. What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 231. You heard that right. Episode 231 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. A lot of new listeners. Not enough ratings and reviews, man. Not enough. Please, everybody who's tuning in, go rate and review the show. We'd greatly appreciate it. Shouts to the new listeners. Shouts to the longtime listeners. Shouts to everyone in between. We are here, Combo Nation. We are here. Here, today's show, Deuce Mason, co-host of the Deuce and Mo podcast, joins in a great conversation with Deuce. Go subscribe to the Deuce and Mo podcast. You could find Deuce on Twitter at Deuce Mason. That's D-E-U-C-E-M-A-S-O-N. You know you can find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Co-host of the Deuce and Mo podcast. Welcome to Combo's Court. How are you feeling today? Hey, I'm good, man. I always love talking hoops. Appreciate you having me. Oh, anytime. Um, you've had an interesting media career. Uh, tell us, tell us about it, man. Man, well, I knew at a young age what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in sports broadcasting, journalism, whatever you want to call it. It was just my passion. And so I got an internship. It was kind of like a secret internship at a sports radio station in Sacramento when I was 16. And through a series of lucky breaks and just experience along the way, I kind of just worked my way up and turned it into a full-time career. And then, you know, I've done TV. I do play-by-play for the Stockton Kings and the G League, work on the Sacramento Kings radio broadcast. And then we're uh, trying to do bit, some big things with the Do Some Mo podcast. Nice. You you were actually a host of Good Day Sacramento, correct? Yeah, I used to. Yeah, I worked on Good Day Sacramento for uh, a couple of years, and then the opportunity came with the Kings. So I was like, I gotta hop over. I gotta do the Kings thing full time, and it's been fun, man. It's been a fun ride, for sure, for sure. Uh, so you do play by play with the Stockton Kings. We got the G League bubble coming up in Orlando. I know Stockton won't be, you know, they won't be there. But what are your thoughts on that? What were your initial thoughts on uh on this bubble coming up? I mean, I'm bummed from the standpoint that Stockton's not going to be there. And, you know, it's going to be such a truncated season. Like, the G League's going to have, what, how many teams there? It's very few I think teams. it's 20. I think it's 20. Yeah, and, you know, and it's it's fine. But, you know, the, their G League drafts today, and there's going to be a ton of experience. It's just disappointing because I know the league has been looking at the G League as this, you know, a, a potential to grow a ton this year and, and to get more attention eyeballs on it. They want it to be like a legit product. And I think this was going to be an important year, but the pandemic hits and it changes everything. Yeah. I wanted to ask you this question about the G league. I thought it was interesting. It's a little bit off the wall, but just in terms of athleticism, where does the G league compare to the NBA? Because you know, it's a younger league. People are a little more athletic when they're younger, but it obviously doesn't have the top end talent like the NBA. So just in terms of athleticism, how do you compare the G league to the NBA? You know, I don't think it's that, like, far off in terms of athleticism. I mean, they play fast. And, like, I I wasn't watching a ton of G League prior to being the play-by-play voice. But now, like, diving in the last couple of years, I think what impresses me most is the guys just come in and compete, man. Because, to be honest, like, they're fighting to get to the next level. They're fighting to get to the NBA. They're fighting to get the attention 
you know, from the Euro League or other opportunities. So they're going to come out and try to ball out every single night. And it makes it fun. Yeah, most definitely. It's interesting. I played overseas and there was a lot of guys who, you know, I've played with who had that decision, G League, or, you know, they might be able to make a little bit of money overseas, but they want to, they felt like they had a better chance at the NBA. So it's like kind of, a lot of guys are stuck in between, man. It's a crazy league. Well, and that's, it's the balancing act too. Cause it's like, yeah. all right, I can go make some money overseas, but the G League doesn't pay enough. And that's the next thing. Like if you want to be taken serious, you got to pay these guys more, right? <laughs> like that's all there is to it. Yeah. I know they're going to do more with the professional path and, the elite players who are in there this year, but you got to pay these guys more if you want them to stick around here. Yeah. It's interesting with the elite because I think they're actually going to be competing. I, I think it was more exhibition games before there was ever going to be a bubble. And now they're actually going to be in the league with the other teams. And these guys are, were almost hidden so far. So it's going to be interesting to see guys like green and Kamunga actually play basketball yeah. now. No, seriously. And like, that's what sucks about this whole pandemic. Well, many things suck about the pandemic, but the fact is like, I think a lot of people would want to see these guys play and I don't even know how they're going to put out these games, but it should be a big deal to watch these elite prospects. I mean, if this was college basketball, we'd be talking about these guys, right? So um, they got to find a way to make sure to get eyeballs on this team. Most definitely. So Deuce, uh, uh, all my listeners know I've talked about Tyrese more than any other prospect. Maybe uh, Edwards too is in there. Those two prospects were the guys I talked about the most and, I just didn't think Tyrese was getting his just due, especially early. Then I saw him climbing up a lot of the mocks and he was getting a little bit more attention. Uh, and then draft day, I was waiting. I was like, he's not drafted yet. Like, I don't know what's going on. And I was like, wow, Sacramento really got a good guy here, man. Uh, tell me what you've seen from him. And just do you think he's ready to start on this team? Because I do. Man, I mean, you're to the point now watching him play. It's not the fact that he's just a good rookie. The guy's a good player, like right, right. by far the best rookie in this draft right now. In my I, I think so. I think so. I mean, some would argue LaMelo and Wiseman, but I, I think it's. Yeah. And, and that's not a shade at those guys. Like no, I think LaMelo has potential to be a really special player. Same with Wiseman, especially with Golden State. But Tyrese, from the standpoint that when he comes into the game, you notice him. And, you know, a lot of times with rookies, you get these, these lottery picks who go on teams and they're on like bad teams. So they're getting their numbers, right? Like they're just getting theirs. It remind if you remember Tyreek Evans with the Kings, of course, like he got his numbers. It was like 25 and five. Everyone's going crazy. But did he impact winning? You know, the Kings are going to be up and down this year. They're not a great team, but Tyrese comes in right away and you just see his feel for the game and you've been following him closely. I, I don't know if you thought he was going to have this type of impact from day one, but the fact that he comes in and he's got command of the team, the ball movement is contagious when he's on the floor. His shooting has been great. The assist to turnover ratio is insane. I believe it's like 44 assists and five turnovers this season for Tyrese Halliburton. And then we're not even talking about the other side defensively playing the passing lanes. He's a smart defensive player too. So I've been so impressed with what he's been able to show early on. Yeah, I have too. And uh, you, you obviously watch more Kings basketball than I do. But from what I have been watching, especially in the beginning, it was a lot of like Tyrese was playing great, but it was a lot of Tyrese like just in the corner. Like there was yeah. a lot of times he wasn't even involved in the offense. Has that changed? And would you like to see them use Tyrese differently? I mean, he was playing the point guard position. Obviously, they, they have the Aaron. You know, the Kings have the yeah. Aaron. So you can't have Tyrese full time at the point guard. But would you like to see them using Tyrese a little bit differently? You know, I, I think they're initially it, w- it seemed like he I remember I watched his first preseason game. He looked scared like it was. Oh, really? It was, yeah, it was weird. And he talked about after the game, he was pretty nervous. 
and as the games have gone on, I feel like they're getting more and more comfortable with like, no, like come in, you're running the second unit, bring the ball up. And they're still trying to feel it out. Cause I think sometimes when he's out there, I want the ball in his hands. And it, you know, I know with Fox, that's going to change some things, but having two guys like that, that can create is awesome. 100%. But with that second unit, he's playing with Corey Joseph at times and Corey Joseph's bringing up the ball. Well, why? Like, Tyrese Halliburton should be bringing up the ball, initiating the offense, and he's so good at getting the ball movement going, moving without the ball. Uh, he's like, had a couple amazing step-back threes, creating his own shot. Yeah. Um, I, I know. I definitely think, and I, to your point, like he's going to be in the starting lineup at some point. And he, he actually started the other night because Rashawn Holmes was out, so they put him in the starting lineup with Fox and Heald out there. But I want to see this guy play more. And if he's not starting, I still want to see him play 30 minutes a night. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I would even say 30, 35 for that guy, man. I would I, say that. No, I, I'm with you on that. I think the one thing they're probably being cautious on, and maybe it's overly cautious, you know how NBA teams are nowadays, is, you know, he's not used to this long NBA schedule. And think about it. Like, you yeah. got drafted a week later, it's training camp. Then they're playing preseason games. And, hey, welcome to the NBA. There was no, like, hey, you get drafted. You go to summer league. Then you get, you know, a, a few weeks of training camp, you know, there was no, it was just so rushed right away. So I think they're trying to be cautious with some of the rookie minutes. Yep. Yep. Um, I wanted to shift to Marvin. I actually was listening to the Deuce and Mo podcast. Go subscribe to that, everybody tuning in. But, uh, you know, Mo had an interesting take that, you know, maybe Marvin should come, come off the bench and he shouldn't look at it as a demotion. But my thing would be like, you know, I played ball many years. Nobody, <laughs> unless, I mean, of course, there's specific situations in the playoffs you know, where you might have to come off the bench when you usually start because of matchups, but every player is going to take going to the bench as a demotion. Like, sure. You know, I mean, it's tough right now because he's clearly not playing well and he's had moments and, yeah. you know, and those moments look very impressive. That's the thing. Like he's an athlete, you know, and he's skilled he is an athlete, but yeah. I mean, you, you've played ball. I, I just feel like, and this is not like, I'm trying to say this the nicest way possible. He's still keep it real, that. Deuce. Keep it real, Deuce. No, no, it, no. Because I, I, Marvin's a good dude, and oh, he did. he works his ass off. He plays hard. He's still learning how to play basketball. I mean, flat out, I mean, he is. He's. It's one thing to be an athlete, you know. This in the NBA, there's athletes all over the place. Yeah, but you yeah, can't yeah. rely just on your athleticism in the NBA. And he's got a gift, I think. I mean, his that second jump, some of the rebounding, and I, I think he's got a potential to be a really good scorer in this league. But right now, I think he's putting so much pressure on himself to contribute instead of like, hey, let's set some things up for him. Let's get him going in some pick and rolls. Let's get him some easy looks like we get Rashawn Holmes. Like Rashawn Holmes is not a 20 point a game night score in the NBA. He's had a couple of games this year where he gets 20 points. Why? Because Halliburton's setting him up. Fox is setting him up. I would like to see that more from Marvin to get him going. And maybe going to the second unit's not the worst thing at all for the guy. But you also have to be careful because... The confidence could be shaky. You know, he's played 84, 85 games in three seasons. Last year, he played 13 games, but they were in like three different stints. How do you build any any type of rhythm? Like his second year was pretty much like a wash. It didn't mean anything. So he needs to just be playing and he is playing. But for Sacramento right now, you're, you're seeing what's happening. And these teams are exposing him defensively. And that, that's got to be up to yeah. the teams to change some things up. But they're, they're getting switched. He's getting switched on guards and he can't. He, right now, I do think he's got defensive potential, but right now it's not working out. You know, you're seeing Van Vliet the other night. All right, I'll go ahead and tack him. 
bang a three on him. You know, Steph Curry. Well, these these are elite guards. They're looking at him going, okay, if you're going to switch all the time, this is what's going to happen. Yeah, defense is the first thing. Can you guard anybody? Can you guard everybody? Those are always two really big questions. But uh, I have to do it, Deuce. I have to ask you about this Twitter thing with uh, yeah, yeah. Marvin's dad. Walk me through it, man, because, I mean, I've, I'm hearing it, but I'm not totally focused on it. So what happened there? Um, so Marvin's dad, over the last couple of years since Marvin's been here, he'll go on Twitter and pop off every once in a while. And it was during a Kings game in Houston, and Marvin wasn't really playing down the stretch. He was struggling. And Marvin's dad goes on Twitter and says, trade Marvin Bagley the third signed coach Bagley. And so automatically everyone in Sacramento is like, what the hell? Like, does Marvin want out now? Like, or is it, why is his dad saying this? Why is it, this is distracting? So it blew up into a thing and then right. it just gets bigger and bigger. And then later De'Aaron's dad pops in and says, trade him. So like oh, all of a sudden you got two dads on Twitter and De'Aaron Fox talked about this, like on Matt Barnes and, and Stephen Jackson's podcast is like, I told my family, like, what are you doing? Like, do you understand that when you pop off on social media, you're not the ones that have to answer the questions from the media after. Wait, I that, was the, that was the Aaron or Marvin? That was the Aaron. That okay. was the Aaron who said that. Now, Marvin was very, he met with the media after and was like, he did not want to touch it. He didn't want to talk about it. He's like, I'm focused on basketball. And like, it's a fair point to bring up. Maybe he could have approached it in a different way. Maybe he could have been like, Man, my dad, that's my dad. You know, he, he doesn't, hey, I'm my own man. That's my dad. He's passionate. I love him to death. And sometimes he does it on social media and then move on. But instead, he dodged question after question, which led to people speculating, okay, well, does he want to be here? Is he okay? All of that stuff. So, I mean, it just gets messy. I, I was telling Morgan the other night, I'm like, in what world do we live in where we're talking about NBA players' fathers on social media and how right. that's a story? Like, this is like, this is like a reality show. Like, what, what are we doing here? Yeah, but I mean, it's been like this for a while, Deuce. You know, that's a, sometimes it's not the deeper basketball analysis. It's stories like this that, uh, you know, get people interested. So, no, for yeah. sure. I mean, look, the Kings haven't made the playoffs in 14 years. Oh, man. I mean, that, that's, that's the current, that it's currently the longest drought in the NBA. It's the second longest in sports right now. So, because the yeah. Browns are on the playoffs, you know, the Mariners have the streak of like 19 years or something like that. But the Kings are right there. And next year, if they miss it this year, which it, it's likely going to happen, that's 15 straight years without the playoffs. That would tie the longest playoff drought in NBA history. So, yeah, like this is I'm telling you, you can make an amazing documentary on the Kings franchise and all the ups and downs throughout the years. Yeah, it's interesting because some of the teams that we would label bad are pretty good this year. You know, the Cavs and Knicks, it's just. It, actually, well, there, in, in the beginning of the season, we did think the Kings were going to be all right this year, right? And then, so here's the thing: like, this her early season stuff. Like, can we really say that the Knicks are good? Like, they got off to a surprise start. I remember last year, Minnesota got off to a seven and four start, and their social media account popped off like something about how you know they're they're good. And then what happened? Well, they were terrible. I don't. This year is bizarre. It's more bizarre than ever. You got the pandemic going on. You're playing these series. Games are getting postponed left and right now. Guys are missing action. It's bizarre. And then you but have that, some teams. But that's the thing. It could be like that for the whole year, right? You know, it, it's going to be like that for the yeah. whole year. I, yeah. I guess my point is, I, it's so hard for me to judge teams early on that haven't been good in the past. Like, if I'm going to believe the Knicks are going to be good, I need to see them play 20, 25 games before I jump on that. Same with the Kings. I'm like, we're doing podcasts after Kings games and. The fans, they're excited after three and one. Cool. I'm excited too, but like, let's be honest about it. 
like just enjoy the moment because this thing could turn fast. And you look at what, what lies ahead for Sacramento. It's, it's going to be tough. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned that because John Hollinger was uh, of the athletic was mentioning how teams are shooting like 29% against the Knicks from three. And that will turn around eventually. And things might get tougher, but you know, it, you gotta, you can't blame the Knicks fans. You can't blame no. them. I mean, they are more watchable. Julius Randle's playing better. He's a more willing passer this year. And you know, there's some better spacing and Tim's got them playing hard, but I mean, there is some, validity to what you're saying the other thing is though is that it's not as early as it would be in another NBA season because it is only 72 this year no that and that's fair but yeah again you need more of a sample size like we 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 go crazy on this stuff like is anyone worried about like some of these good teams struggling out of the gate like even Golden State I mean the Steph Curry slander after that slow start I'm like do we just forget about this guy's resume he didn't really play last year we're gonna like act like he's a bum now, like Steph Curry can play. And then of course, last yeah. night, a terrible shooting night and they find a way to beat the Raptors. Um, so I, I, I'm not trying to like dodge this stuff, but I'm like, Hey, I'm more like, give me 15, give me 20 games to see what, how everything is shaken out. Yeah. Um, I wanted the shift of Vladdy Divac, man. Uh, and I don't want to, we don't want to talk about actually Luca was the guy I was high on, you know, a few years back, but I don't want to talk I mean, about everyone. It was. Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yes. but uh, I couldn't understand why they dropped, but not even that part of it. I mean, Vladi was such a great player and I know you've had conversations with him. Um, what do you make about his time in, uh, in sack and what he, and what he did there? Well, his time as a player was amazing, right? Like yeah, he, yeah, he came in here. He wasn't like, they had to overpay to get him, but it worked out and they had their best run in franchise history. Think about this for a second. Sacramento, this is their 36th season of Kings basketball. They've had eight winning seasons in 36 years. I mean, wow. that's, oh, man. that's pretty crazy. They, they've made the playoffs 10 times in 36 years. So yeah, two of the times they made the playoffs in the 85, the first season here in the 95, 96, they were actually below 500. So 10 times in 36 years. And this fan base is still like the most loyal, insane, passionate fan base on the planet. Um, so Vlade's tenure, like I think people initially were optimistic. It was like, hey, like this guy was associated with the past and he understands how to build team and chemistry. Like this could be a great thing. And it, it just wasn't, you know, I, I think number one, he was inexperienced, right? Like he, I had one person tell me that, he wouldn't have been hired to be an assistant GM in the NBA based on his experience, but Hey, he was thrown in there and he was a GM. Unfortunately, he made a series of moves that really set them back. And you know, when you're a small market team and you're Sacramento, you've got to nail the draft and you have to nail trades. And he missed a lot of the time. Now there are some good moves like De'Aaron Fox fell them at five. I think a lot of people would have taken him, but he took De'Aaron Fox. So credit to him. But then there's so many other misses. Like there was a draft where they take Yorgos Papayanis at like 13. And then the other first round picks, they had two other first round picks that year. Malachi Richardson, Scalabissier. So that was not that long ago. And your three first round picks, they're not even in the league, right? Like that's devastating for a small market franchise. So yeah, yeah. I'm not going to put everything on Vlade. Like it's, Look, when you're losing, there's blame that goes around. But hey, when you're ahead of basketball ops, like you're going to get a lot of the blame when things don't work out. And then, you know, you go back to the draft a couple of years ago, you mentioned the Luca uh, deal. Like those are mistakes that set franchises back for years. And now you've got Luca, who's a generational talent, and then Marvin, who's trying to find his footing in the NBA. So it's just, I understand people liking Mar- Marvin too at the draft. It's not like he was. 
Right, right. People like Marvin Bagley going into that draft, but people loved Luca. So his tenure, like, unfortunately, I feel like his image is tarnished a little bit in Sacramento, especially with like the younger fan base who doesn't remember Vlade, the player. They look at him as Vlade, the GM, who called it a, a young super team at one point, and it just hasn't worked. Yeah, you mentioned it, it was the right move with uh, De'Aaron. Um, what are you seeing from his game? Because, you know, on the outside looking in in Sacramento, we hear a lot of Tyrese, which is great. We hear yeah. about the Twitter, which is uh, whatever. You know, we, we, we touched on it here. But uh, what are you seeing from De'Aaron's game? He just signed that big contract, that big max extension. What are you seeing from his game? I, I feel like he's definitely taken a step in some areas. Like, he's being more aggressive. And we all know his speed. Like, we saw that yeah, coming yeah. out of Kentucky. It's like, okay, but can you get to the free throw line? Can you handle a little physicality? Um, yeah. His ball handling's gotten better. better. There, there's definitely some good things, and his scoring has gone up too. My biggest concern with him is can he turn into just a solid three-point shooter? The three-point numbers right now are good. I think he's at 28% right now. And, and a lot of the Kings aren't good right now, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. you look around right now, the, the three-point shooting, you look at Buddy Heald, right? Buddy Heald a couple of years ago was one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Mm-hmm. Right now he's shooting 31%, something like that. Yeah. I, I, think, I think that'll go up with Buddy. I mean, it should, I, right? Like yeah, he's, yeah. he's a good shooter. He should yeah. get out of that funk. But like someone like De'Aaron Fox, to me – you look at all the all-star guards last year and they take Steph and clay out because they were out. Most of them, the majority of them shot like 35, 36 and above percent from three point land. And the only guys who didn't were Westbrook and Simmons. And I think for De'Aaron, he's just got to become a more consistent threat out there. I'm not saying he needs to shoot 40% from three, like he's Dame or like, that's not going to happen in all likelihood. But can he get to like 35? And then can he, when he gets to the free throw line, can you make free throws? That's the thing. The Kings last year were 28th in free throw attempts. Going in the last game, they were number one, but they're near the bottom in free throw percentage. So they're getting to the line a ton. They're just not making free throws. And like, if De'Aaron wants to take that jump and be like the guy on the team, he's got to be the guy that can hit the big shot. He's got to be the guy that can go to attack, get to the free throw line and make free throws. So that's like the next evolution of his game. But I think he's still one of the like young, promising guards in the NBA. So how high is his usage rate? Because like, even if he can make spot-up jumpers, man, that would be dangerous with him and Tyrese. They both could play on the ball. They both could play off the ball like, and uh, have like a decentralized offense. Like, tell me more about the Kings' offense. Yeah, I, this year they've kind of changed things because you know, it seemed like they wanted to be like a three-point shooting team. And they're in bottom five in makes and attempts right now. Um, and their mindset has been attack, attack, attack. That's what Luke Wallen says. We want to attack. We just want to attack and then see what comes out of that. Let's get to the free throw line. Let's go around the basket. Let's attack and see if we can get a good three-point shot off of that. I think this roster is just so flawed right now because right now they're starting Rashawn Holmes, Marvin Bagley, Barnes, yeah. who's been awesome, Heald, and Fox. The, the, the spacing's not there, especially when Fox is not shooting well, Heald's not shooting well. There, where's the spacing? Like, so like everything's clogged up right now. And I don't think they have enough shooting at this point. And, you know, I, I know some fans are excited, like, oh, this could be a good team. This year. That's where I, I thought it was flawed. I, and, and also playmaking. They've got Fox and Halliburton. But uh, other than that, who's really beating you off the dribble that much? Um, yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, man. So the, wow, that, that, that's, that's a lot of issues. Oof. No, the, the, like yeah. they're real issues, you know, and yeah. you, can't, you can't mask that. By just attack, 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 like that—that's fine. 
I do want them to attack. Yeah, attack the paint. And then, but I, I think they need to take more threes. They also don't have a ton of three point shooters. The, the bright side is Harrison Barnes has been awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been great. He's knocking down the three. Even Bagley's three point percentage is good, which is great. I mean, he, I think he's around 35, 36%, which isn't bad for him. Um, so that if that, those numbers hold up, that'd be great. But they got to get the other guys going. And, and the offense is not going to function properly if Heald's not knocking down shots, if Fox can't be a threat from the outside. Yeah, let's finish with this. Anything you'd like to see Luke Walton do differently with this team? You know, I, I mean, at this point, I, I'm like focused on like, all right, how do you develop? Because I don't think this team is is that good, and especially in the West. I think yeah, they have yeah. some promising pieces like we talked about with Fox. I know you're high on Halliburton. Yeah. But Corey Joseph, I, I just I'd rather see. Can you give Kyle Guy some minutes? I'm not saying Kyle Guy needs to play 20 minutes. He's flawed, too. But like I'd rather see Kyle Guy out there. I know he can shoot the ball. Some I know excitement, some hard. excitement for the fans. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put him out there a little bit. Oh, the other day, the other day, uh, Chemeze Metu comes in in garbage time. He comes in, blocks a couple of shots. Has a nice no look feed to Bagley. Uh, he has a nice attack of the rim. Could he play Bielitsa's ten minutes that he played the other night? Yeah, I think so. Like Bielitsa, when he's not shooting the ball well, yeah. it's tough to even play him. I mean, because right, defense is an issue, right? It's a major issue. So. Yeah, yeah. I think you got to look to develop some of that youth with Fox and Halliburton and Bagley and he'll like play some of those guys. Like, let's, and I'm not saying all at once, but you know how it is like rotations change. Let's see how they perform in practice. Let's get them some run a little bit. I'm excited once Daquan Jeffries gets back. Cause I think he was going to be a decent part of what they do. He's long. He was their two way player last year in the G league, seven, three wingspan athletic. He can guard a couple of positions. Um, he's got, he's out with an ankle sprain right now, but Maybe he can be a part. I just want to see some of the youth. I, I just don't know how much you're benefiting the team or any of the guys they're playing with if you're running out there with Joseph and Bielitsa all the time. Yep, yep. Development. I think development's the key. I think OKC has took that route. Well, actually, SGA, SGA's playing pretty well, so hopefully they could still land like a Cade Cunningham or somebody. But uh, dudes, great stuff, man. Great insight on the Kings. I really appreciate you being here. Uh, let us know where we could find you on social media and everywhere else. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. You can hit me up at Deuce Mason. I'm on Instagram too. Just search it up. My website, deuceandmo.com. It has all the links to our podcast, everything we're doing. We're going to be doing a ton of NBA content, sports content. So it's fun, man. It's fun. It's fun to talk to other content creators like yourself because this business is booming. It's fun. And it's great to talk to like the fact that I'm talking to you. You're in New York. We're on Zoom and we're talking hoops. Like it's awesome. And it's cool. The basketball community is amazing, man. It's a, it is awesome. A great way to look at it, Deuce. You're always welcome back, man. Uh, talk soon. All right. Sounds good, man. There it is. Episode 231 is in the books. Thank you for tuning in. And big shouts to Deuce for joining in on this episode of Combos Court. Combo Nation. Don't forget to rate, review, and if you haven't already, punch down on that subscribe button. Get it done for me. It helps the show tremendously, and I would greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in and be on the lookout for episode 232. Combo out.